Quote, Whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process he does not become a monster. And if you gaze long enough into an abyss, the abyss will gaze back into you. End quote. We all like a little bit of darkness. It's fun to look at, to play with, to try on like a silky robe. The reason we like to flirt with darkness is because we can walk away whenever we want to. Or so we think. But when does look become touch? When darkness comes calling more often than you anticipated, do you stop wearing the darkness? Or does the darkness begin to wear you? I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we We would be dead. Every single time. I don't know if it'll ever get old. It won't now, because we know what it's like to not be there. True. <laughs> hey, Leslie. Hey, Holly. How are you tonight? I'm splendid. We're oh. drinking my favorite wine. Yes, best bottle. Seven Deadly Zins. You guys should drink that when you're listening to our podcast, and then they should sponsor us. Yeah. That sounds like a good idea, right? That sounds great. Yeah, I would totally accept their sponsorship. Even if they just paid in wine. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That would be a good sponsorship for us. I know. <laughs> um, oh, before I start, I forgot to mention in the opening, the quotation that I um, use is a Nietzsche quotation. So okay. Credit where credit is due. I for sure didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I write a lot of words. Those are not some of them. Uh, so hi, fiends. Oh, man, we have a hot one for you guys this week. So I don't want to beat around the bush for too long before getting into it our general business, um, please leave us a friendly review or a five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts. I will say it every time. I am shameless. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Good show. Thanks. Without you, we are nothing, and I shamelessly need validation. Leslie's good. She's strong, but you're going to have to keep me alive. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. I'll be fine, probably. Also, If you would like to further support We Would Be Dead, please hop on over to Patreon and leave us a little monthly donation. We have gifties coming soon, and if we hit 10 patrons, which we are one off of now, we have nine patrons, one more, you guys, I will plan a field trip. (gasps) Yes, invitation only. Oh, my. Mm -hmm. We uh, we just have one left, so let's get there and uh, do something weird. Cool. The Mutter Museum is back open in like a week. Shut the front door. Yes. (laughs) So... We could go there. That's my favorite place in the whole world. Okay. okay. I'm excited. I've never been, guys. We just need <gasps> one more patron so my dreams can come true. Yay! Oh, I know so much about the mutter, too. I'm basically a tour guide. The muter. <laughs> the the muter. There's, like, a debate as to how to pronounce his last name because the umlaut was out, added later in his life to, like, okay. make him interesting. <laughs> no, I don't blame you, Dr. Muter. It's cool. Uh, so, a warning. Before I begin, I say the F word so many times this week, like it's written in here, 
So many times. So if you're feeling delicate, please wear all of your pearls so you can clutch them for security. Mother's pearls. (laughs) I should have told you to wear all of your pearls tonight. What was I thinking? You have a lot, right? I do. Yeah, obviously. I'm a pearl girl. (laughs) I hate it. Okay. So then let's get into it. And the Lord said, Thou shalt not fucketh with cats, but some people just can't listen. And by the Lord, I mean Netflix and the internet, because we can live without a lot of things, but Netflix and the internet ain't two of them. That's for sure. We would be dead. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Good night. (laughs) We're here all week. Tip your bartender. Uh, I heard about this case way before the earth-shaking documentary Don't Fuck With Cats, which is quite honestly the single best name for anything I have ever heard and the smartest angle for this story to take. Mm -hmm. It is genius that they went in with that. Uh, There are a lot of murderers out there, and a lot of them fucked with cats. Trust me, we've talked about a few so far, and there are so many more. I don't know what it is with murderers and cats, but they see a cat and they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to do weird things with you in the woods. There's really only one, though, who went public with his cat fuckery, and the internet was not having it. And that is how most of us were introduced to internet murderer Luca Magnata, which, that isn't even his real name. But we'll get to that. (laughs) I forgot. I forgot that wasn't his real name. No, he has, okay, we were talking about this. He has so many pseudonyms, I do not mention them all, because it gets extremely confusing. Um... And, and some of them he only used like once or twice. Right. He was an H.H. Holmes level of faking people out. Wild. I think like people who like that, they really like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if they don't have their own identity, they have to keep making up. And w- just keep throwing things at the wall until something sticks. I like guess. Pasta. Like <laughs> that's the ceiling. Oh, <laughs> that was a callback to the first. One. Wow. Which they will think was like the fourth one, but it was the first one we yes. recorded. <laughs> That's Slender Man. Go listen to Slender Man if you haven't. It's a it's a fun one. It's a delight. <laughs> it's, it's a tragedy. But you yes. know what? We have fun when we can. Yes. Uh, this case is remarkable for many reasons, but mostly because it was solved in part, well, in a large part, by random internet folks. People who created a Facebook group and discovered that they could quilt together advanced forensic techniques based on all of the unique knowledge they brought to the table and then bait a psychopath into revealing himself, which is bananas. (laughs) Bananas. It's the internet, man. I know. (laughs) Every time I like read about this, I'm blown away more. I can't believe it was just like, we're all here and we all have like one, like unique skill sets. And if we put them together, we're the best detective in the world. Right. Imagine if they had a pandemic at that time, they would have figured it out in a week. Where are they now? I know. I say that all the time. Like I call upon them (laughs) to solve (laughs) all of life's problems. (laughs) Where's body moving? I need her in my life. (laughs) So detectives. With years of experience and degrees in whatever a detective gets a degree in sleuthing, (laughs) advanced information foraging, dumpster bodies, doesn't matter. They have studied and worked hard and gained experience, and then a group of randos just cracked the code. We all want to solve a murder. That's why we're here. 
I mean, you and I would would totally so solve a murder. Yeah, I'd get my Nancy Drew on. <sighs> it would take us so long, but we would love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but these people got in there and they actually did it. And some of them continue to use pseudonyms. A word I love, which means fake name, word of the day. Uh. <laughs> uh, I feel like I feel like I would own my own part in that scenario, though. If I had one, I'd be like, um, my name is Holly, and I did all this cool stuff. Yeah. Well, right? Well, yeah, but I guess they were just scared. You know, I guess. That's, that's them protecting themselves. One of their real names is out online, like in articles I read, but I don't know how much she wants it mentioned because it's not in the documentary. Right. So I don't mention it here. Yeah, that's good. She's super cool, and I don't want to piss her off. Well, we can web sleuth to figure out all their names. Yeah. <laughs> that would be terrible. <laughs> oh, God. We won't do that because we like these people. Yeah. Um, but bless these humble heroes for the work that they did. Seriously. But before we get into the people, I would like you to call in the event of my untimely death. Okay. Let's start, as we nearly always do, at the beginning. And since this story centers around the descent into murderdom of one attention-hungry, desperate man, we're, we'll start with him. Luca Magnata was born July 24th, 1982, as Eric Clinton Kirk Newman. Whew, that is a mouthful, and I can see why he changed it. I can see why he also became a narcissist. Yeah, right? <laughs> quite a name. <laughs> God, I might have gone with something a little slicker than Luca Rocco Magnata, which is the full shebang, which is as ethnically diverse as it is confusing, but I get wanting to trade that first one out. Right. So, Leslie, will you set the stage for us and tell us about 1982? Sure. Yes. So, in 1982, my brother Adam Wydell was born. Aww. And that's um, all I have. And the end. <laughs> the end. So important. That's what happened. <laughs> no. I have more. Okay. Michael Jackson releases the Thriller album. So good. Other popular musicians were Olivia Newton-John, Lionel Richie, the Steve Miller Band, they had the song Abracadabra at the time. Oh, I'm going to um, reach out and grab you. <laughs> Abracadabra. <laughs> Survivor song was Eye of the Tiger. Oh, fun. Uh, Time's Man of the Year is the computer. Bum, bum, bum. That's not a man. I know. Or is it? Oh, what was that Robin Williams movie where he was like a robot? Maybe it's oh. that. Oh my gosh, what was that? I don't know. <laughs> I'll come back to it. Okay. I'll get there. Uh, Disney's Epcot opens. <gasps> I love Epcot. Women are entering the workforce, so suit pants. Oh, well, I wrote suit that pants. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Women, I clearly just didn't delete the first suits. <laughs> I want suit pants. <laughs> Women are entering the workforce, so pantsuits are a big hit at the time. Okay. <laughs> Uh, young girls and women are wearing jumpsuits. Oh, I fashion. love the jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. I bought one two days ago. There you go. Mm-hmm. It probably didn't look like this because nope. even like I would say like teenagers and maybe early twenties were wearing like the little kid jumpsuit looking kind of things. Ooh. It was weird. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was popular to match your clutch with your belt, which I still like to do sometimes. Okay. Um, popular kids' toys were the tape recorder. Oh. The Odyssey 2 video game system. Oh, I don't even know what that is. He-Man figures. 
electronic piano Barbie. Did you ever have that? I didn't. No, it looked fun. Did you? No, I don't think so. Electronic? But it was like, it was like Barbie sitting at a, like, she probably could actually play the piano. <laughs> oh. Which was kind of cool. Keyboard That Barbie. was the thing. It was like a lot of electronics were coming out. So they were making these, obviously with the computer, they were making these like massive electronics. Mm-hmm. But then companies were able to produce less expensive electronics. So a lot huh. of kids were getting stuff. I had a Casio. Cool. I mean, we all had <laughs> yeah. the little keyboard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Did you not know what a Casio was? No, I'm sad for I had you. that. No, I had it. Okay, good. Um, coloring plates were cool. You remember those? We yeah. had them right there. I know. They're still a big hit yeah. for kids. Mm-hmm. Those are fun. And your favorite movie, E.T. debuted in we- June. Can't talk about that movie. I have... Mm. Have I talked about how much I hate E.T.? You did, yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> like a deep, deep, <laughs> deep hatred of E.T. So many nightmares. He was in my closet. Yeah. <laughs> And that was it. That was what oh, was going on. You saved that one for last? I did. So I could go into the rest of it traumatized? Yes. Cool. Okay. <laughs> uh, so th- that's kind of like the culture that he would have been dropped into, but also it would affect his parents severely because little Eric, a.k.a. Luca, I'm going to call him Luca most of the time because, again, it's very confusing to swap names out, was born to 16-year-old Anna Yorkin and equally 16-year-old um, David. Wow. Yeah. So she was definitely wearing the jumpsuits. Uh-huh. She was killing a jumpsuit. Nice. She might have still had electric piano Barbie. They're very young. Um, yeah. I, I, it bears repeating. That is young. I have referred to 20 as an age where I was barely confident enough to order my own entree. 16? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a whole nother ball of wax. That's like a child. And parenthood is the biggest, craziest, most constant responsibility ever. Bicentennial man. There it is. Good job. <laughs> Robin it. Williams is a robot. Sorry, guys. Killed it. <laughs> I'm glad you came back with that. Thanks. My brain needed to hear it. Anyway, parenthood, super hard. <laughs> um, it's not for the faint of heart. Now, there are some uh, not... Not so flattering things that I am about to say about Anna. But let me be clear. I feel awful for her. I do too. Yeah. She got dealt one petrifying hand after another and probably reacted in the only way she knew how. I believe we have spoken about this before, but uh, a 15-year-old's brain is not formed enough to accept permanent consequences. Allow me to briefly explain a little further. During adolescence, the brain goes through some pretty significant renovations. In fact, during this time, unused connections in the thinking and processing part of the brain, called the gray matter, are pruned away. At the same time, other connections are strengthened, and this is the brain's way of becoming more efficient. The front part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, is remodeled last. The prefrontal cortex is the decision-making part of the brain, responsible for our ability to plan and think about the consequences of actions, solve problems, and control impulses. Changes in this part continue into early adulthood. Because the prefrontal cortex is still developing, teenagers might rely on a part of the brain called the amygdala to make decisions and solve problems more than adults do. The amygdala is associated with emotions and impulses, aggression, and instinctive behavior. So realizing they, that they can't actually be Spider-Man and weighing permanent consequences may not be a teenager's strongest suit. <laughs> 
And that goes through all of the teen numbers. Like your brain does not get permanence real, real well until you're in your 20s, which is something they wouldn't have known then, but I'm just laying it out there for everybody. Um, This principle is going to come back into play time and time again for us. Teenagers simply are not adults. To that end, a kid is one of the most permanent consequences I can possibly think of. And Anna's was no picnic. She does some interesting post-murder stuff, too, when she's an actual grown-up. But again, you're hardwired to love your child. That's why humans rarely eat their young. All right. Rarely, I say. You're not going to want to admit that your child is a fame-whoring psychopath who murdered a guy on camera for likes. No. Not ever. Not not once. Not even if they do it. Mm-mm. So after the discovery that Anna was pregnant... 16-year-old Anna, she and David were allowed to be married, like, because of their situation. So Mm -hmm. they had, like, parental signatures that allowed them to go immediately get married. Um, And they moved into David's family's basement. Delightful. Romantic. Yeah. Anna immediately quit school. Yeah. Great. Which is pretty normal to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, then. Now, I think there are a lot of girls that will continue through school. But then it was like, you're done. You have a kid now. Uh, after a po- couple years, the pair got on their feet and found their own place to live. David went out into the workforce, and Anna stayed home with the children because they went on to have two more. They, oh. They had three children. Luca was one of three. He was the oldest. Did I know that? I it feel is like not I... referred to often. Okay. It wasn't in the doc? I don't think it was. Okay. I can yeah. be wrong, guys, so like, don't quote me on that, but I, I, you don't run into their names. There's stories like there's nothing. I don't even remember seeing pictures and stuff. Like I haven't seen any pictures. She had a bunch of pictures of Mm -hmm. him in the. Okay. Uh, To be fair, I think if I was his sister, I would not want my name anywhere either. Yeah, I would probably be like, nope, you need to leave me out of that. Yeah, because they like lived their own lives and were not involved in the nonsense that he did anyway. Um, But the young family couldn't seem to stay in one place for too long. They did buy a house, but then they lost it because they couldn't keep up with mortgage payments. Mm -hmm. And so then they bounced from house to house trying to rent, but they couldn't keep up with rental payments. And and so life was pretty irregular for them. School age came and went for the children, but Anna decided to teach them at home. You see, she was terrified of germs and felt the need to keep them and their environment obsessively clean. Sometimes Anna would lock her children outdoors for hours on end while she scrubbed the already clean house endlessly, which makes me think, and I don't know if everybody's going to get this, of the um, like, like VH1 documentary on Mark Summers, or maybe it was E, about how he had OCD. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like everyone remembers that I don't remember I don't know why but that one made an impact like him straightening the tassels on his rug before he could go out uh-huh I remember oh. that I was like that's that's like burned into my brain <laughs> I don't know why um, but, but we're not alone other people have the same reaction to it but that's just that's like what that makes me think of for some reason um the children's hands would be like repeatedly ra- washed until they were red and raw and they weren't even allowed to use public restrooms. Now, this is real tough to enforce with a tiny person who does not yet know how to control their bodily functions properly. So I imagine that that did not always go well. I would, yeah. Oof, a lot of accidents. Definitely not. Also, while obsessive hand washing just seems downright responsible now, this was not a time of mass illness. And for the most part, children like to keep the skin on their fingers in place, if at all possible. And they need, they need those germs to become immune to other diseases. Sure. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little. 
Absolutely. My kids are in the dirt all the time. Yeah. They're doing great. They are. They're doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, at one point, the children um, had a couple pet rabbits that lived in the home with them. Uh-oh. And yeah, and th- these are like the domesticated lop-eared rabbits, not I like, I know they're precious. I had one when I was little. But they're not really meant to endure in cre- incredibly harsh climates. Um, so Anna found them to be too dirty for her liking. They were living in the house with them, as a lot of rabbits like that do. And one day she just put them out into the yard in the middle of the Canadian winter and the rabbits froze to death. Mm-hmm. Like you would if you were not. I mean, they are. That would be the worst pet for someone like her to have because mm-hmm. they're technically rodents. So, mm-hmm. well, they have no sense of like training. You can't train. You, I you mean, can. You can. I guess you can. You can litter train them, you right? Mm-hmm. Well, even still, if you like are obsessively clean, I don't know how much you want a litter box. Right. I don't know. I my rabbit wasn't litter trained. It was outside rabbit. Makes sense. But I don't me. live in Canada. That you wouldn't litter train. <laughs> yeah, sounds awful. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, Anna reconnected with her own family because they kind of ousted her when she turned up pregnant. They did not love that. Um, And then she, David, and the children moved in with them briefly in their, like, bouncing around from house to house situation. The thing is, they do not care for David. And, I mean, he did knock up their teenage daughter, so a lot of people might hold a grudge. With more exposure to her family, Anna and David began to have marital issues, and David started hitting the bottle pretty hard. He is quoted as saying he turned to vodka because he did not like the way she treated him or the way she treated the children. So this is like a pretty severe, stressful environment for a little child to grow up in, and this is the first, like, 12 years of Luca's life. Wow. Yeah, germ-phobic, homeschooled, no other kids. Parents who are not too into each other, families who are, like, not too into their situation, and, like, a million houses. It's not great. So now we're going to skip forward to 1994, and a lot of things began to change for the Newman family then. But first, let's talk about 1994. Yay! So 1994 was a great year for pop culture. Oh, I love it. Let's go. The big albums were Illmatic by Nas. Okay. Ready to Die by Notorious B.I.G., Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails. Mm. Smash by The Offspring. Still love that album. Mm. The Blue Album by Weezer. Oh, I love Weezer. I and that album. <laughs> yeah, that album's oh. amazing from like top to bottom. Another one of my big ones was Dookie by Green Day. Ugh, I'm also I, a huge Green Day fan. I know, yeah. <laughs> Not so much now, but I do love. Oh, I loved American Idiot. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. it. Oh, I loved it so much. We saw it on Broadway. Was the oh, did you? Yeah, I saw Billy Joe in it, and I, like, cried when he came oh, out on stage. that would have been awesome. Yeah. My uh, younger son loves them. So, oh yeah. He's correct. He should love them. He should, They're right? amazing. He should. <laughs> <laughs> and Mariah Carey's Merry Christmas came out. <laughs> Iconic. Yes. <laughs> oh. I used to play that on repeat. I remember going to my friend's house. Uh, they were twins, the Spiegels. Oh. And their mother, around Christmas time, loved this. I mean, she just loved Mariah Carey. But she would put this album on nonstop, repeat, and, like, clean the house, cook dinner. We would just sing it and have a girl's day. That sounds <laughs> fantastic. <Yeah. laughs> Sign me up for that girl's it day. It was so good. Oh, I'm going to be singing All I Want for Christmas is You for, like, the next week now. Yeah, right? <laughs> so good. Uh, the big movies were Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption, Little Giants. That was probably the one I watched. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Ed Wood, The Lion King was also 
a oh, big one. That's a big deal. One of the best. Oh, I love Disney Ed movies. Wood. I Ed love Wood. that movie. Mm-hmm. I like the weird one. You're like, I like Little Giants. I'm like, I like the weird <laughs> Tim Burton movie. <laughs> I just wouldn't have been old enough to watch it. Oh, I was. <laughs> I think I would have only been seven, oh. seven or eight. I was like 12 or 13, I think. So, yeah. Um, I shouldn't have watched it then, but I sure did. So, <laughs> <laughs> Jim Carrey had a good year. Ace Vinger of Peck Detective, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber all came out in the same year. That was all the same all year? All the same. Mm-hmm. That is a good year to be Jim Carrey. I yes. mean, it's always a good year to be Jim Carrey, but still. And one of my favorite movies, Clerks, came out. <laughs> That's a good year for movies. I know. Wow. wow. Oh, man. Uh, the big new shows were Friends. Such a new show. Such a new show. <laughs> ER. Okay. Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. Oh, okay. That's fun. Mm-hmm. And another show that was one of our family's favorite but just wasn't meant for primetime television was The Critic. Do you oh, remember that show? Yeah. John yeah. Lovitz, right? Mm-hmm. That one was so good. It just it like, was. they it was kept very bouncing funny. it around and then they were like, it's just. Not the right people watching it. Didn't they put it on HBO for a while? I don't remember. Or was that Dr. Katz, am I thinking? I don't know. I don't know. But I love The Critic. I that do. Was great. I actually, my parents would let me watch that with them. Because okay. it was a cartoon. <laughs> that, but that was like in the time when parents like kind of didn't understand cartoons that were not meant for small children. Right. Because mm-hmm. I still remember, because I'm a thousand years old, I still remember when The Simpsons came out and it was like shocking mm-hmm. that there was like a child that cursed in it. Yes. Everyone was like, Ugh! people lost their minds. <laughs> no. And we watched it every night. I know. Dinner. I was like, I'm totally allowed to watch all of this. I hear swear words all the time. <laughs> you can tell by... My whole life now. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So the hottest female celebrities this year were King uh, Kim Bassinger, Demi Moore, Cindy Crawford, Whitney Houston, and Halle Berry. These are all so good. This is like a good time. This was a good time to be alive. Mm -hmm. The hottest male celebrities. Yes, let's go. Were David Beckham. Because he's always hot. He should be hot every year. I mean, he is, 100%. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it feels like a very long time ago. For Why does he feel so young to me still? I'm well, like, think he about wasn't it. cool then. No, but think about it. That was when, when did the Spice Girl? was that before the Spice Girls? Yeah, he would have been. before the Spice Girls, I believe. Oh, yeah, that would have been before the Spice Not Girls. Not too long, no, though. No, because fifth grade was the first album. I was in fifth grade. I forget what year that was, but it was a couple years after this. But he would have already been a soccer star. That's true. Okay. Hugh Grant. Keanu Reeves and Jim Carrey were all the hot celebrities that year. Jim Carrey was a hot celebrity. Bless because he, he came out in all those movies, so he was like the, the oh, funny I was thinking guy. Of hot, like you know. Hot. Well, yeah, but no, still he was part of like the sexiest. This is like the list of people that oh, were considered. Good so for David him. Beckham would have like maybe won the sexiest man that year, or all and years. Hugh, and all years, yeah. I feel like him and Brad Pitt are just always on the list, mm-hmm. and then they just sometimes have to give this, other people. We'll give you guys a shot, but yeah. you should know that they're always here. They're just always here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was 1994. That is a nostalgic one. Yes. We have very, both of us have very concrete memories of that one. So. Uh, yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> that conjures up a lot of like real, very real imagery. But the, and I guess, you know, Luca Magnata is almost exactly my age. He's born in 82, yeah. but I was born in the last, like, five days of 1981. Yeah. So we're, like, pretty close in age. Mm-hmm. Gross. I don't want to be close in age to anybody that did terrible things, but you know what? Can't avoid that. So in 1994, um, also, Luca's father, David, was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Um, 
At the age of approximately 35, he began hearing voices that would encourage him to engage in harmful acts, which sounds big, but nothing really comes of this. He's diagnosed, he's treated, and then he is done. But it is important to remember for two reasons. One, while schizophrenia can be genetically transmitted, it's really only a predisposition that is passed on. The percentage of schizophrenic parents who pass on the disorder to their children is a lot smaller than one might think, clocking in at only around 6%. Okay. Yeah. So I always think like, oh, it's genetic. If your parent is schizophrenic, you're like definitely going to be schizophrenic. It's really just you're predisposed and you have quite a small chance. So, no. Uh, two, Luca saw his father's degeneration which would mean that he knew what a person with schizophrenia would act like and what behaviors might set off alarm bells. This is a very, very good way to learn how to fake schizophrenia. Wild. Yes, because later on it's going to come back that um, in his defense, he has a lot of experts agree that he has this. But then later he comes out and says that he doesn't. He said, I was of sound mind. I just did that because my defense attorney said that I should go with, um, that I was criminally not responsible because of, you know, insanity or whatever they call it now. There's a different name. But um, he admits later that he he was fine. But he could fake that kind of stuff. And he does periodically because he saw it. So, you know, just a little footnote for everybody as we move forward. The same year as David's diagnosis, Anna decided to mainstream her children, which means that she sent them off to school. Luca was in sixth grade at this point. So sixth grade, and that's the culture he was just dropped into. Lots of cool, fun stuff. Very pop culture centric. Mm-hmm. Probably wasn't great to be the homeschool kid that had no idea about anything. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Like being dropping into your school would not have no. went well. Mm-mm. Um. And at this point, his only, it was, it was his, like, first experience with other children that he was not related to. Hadn't really seen anybody. Yeah, that's going to be weird. Yeah. Um, he immediately told his whole class that he was named Eric after Julia Roberts' brother, which, like... Such a weird pull. Yeah, what was he watching during homeschool that he thought Eric Roberts was a celebrity name to drop? Skinamax nonsense, mafia movies, and soaps? Yeah. Actually, that sounds like pretty on the nose. Yeah, that's probably. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, yeah. that's maybe what it, homeschool is. <laughs> maybe it's not that weird. Anyway, weird or not, it was a giant lie. Eric Roberts is totally safe. <laughs> He's not incriminated whatsoever. At this point, David and Anna decided to call it quits on their marriage. And then one day, when Luca didn't like something his teacher had said during class, he hit her with a chair. Like one does? Right. You just hit people with a chair when you don't like what they have to say. At this point, Anna decided to call it quits on everything and just handed her kids over to her mother to raise. She was like, I'm divorced. Also, I'm, I don't have any children. Bye. Yeah. Which, like, again, she's pretty young at this point still. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, yeah, I don't know what she's been through. I don't know what her deal is. She clearly has, like, some mental health issues going on. Her husband that she divorced is schizophrenic. Her kid threw a chair at a teacher. Yeah. Your life is not amazing. So for the first year, few years that Luca was under his grandparents' care, he went back to being homeschooled. So they pulled him right back out of school after he threw a chair. So he got like a little taste of what it could be like to be around other kids, and then it was like pulled right out from under him. Mm-hmm. But then his grandparents also divorced in 1998. 
This is just a recipe for disaster. And Luca was enrolled in I.E. Weldon Secondary School, which is a public high school in Lindsay, Ontario, Canada, and the only school I have looked into thus far that actually admits to educating a murderer in their notable students section. Oh. Yeah. So it's like notable students, sports stars, journalists, murderer. That's so, that's so Canada. I know. I said I just said that. So either Canada is so devastatingly polite that they acknowledge everyone. Right. Or they just cannot lie. They just can't lie. <laughs> Which, as we all know, is the American way. Yes. <laughs> I have looked up the uh, like educational records of so many people who have committed heinous acts. Their schools never claim them. Never. Mm-hmm. They're never like, Charles Manson went here. The never. But Canada, we're like, yeah. It happened. We can't lie. So. <laughs> All right. Go good for you, Canada, I guess. While in high school, Lucas struggled to come, come to terms with his sexuality. And he'll later um, reveal at length that he's bisexual. But in high school, he was very confused about a lot of things. I think a lot of people are very confused oh, about absolutely. a lot of things in high school. So that's not uncommon. But it's just something that was happening. So it's mm-hmm. worth noting. He was described as being extremely vain and absorbed with his physical appearance. Luca struggled to come to terms with his identity as a whole, actually, frequently changing his hair color from jet black to peroxide blonde, which feels high school to me, too. Yep. Especially late 90s high school, because I was in high school at that point, and that happened to a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, God, the at-home die. That's when manic <laughs> panic was a thing. Oh, mm-hmm. Which, which we've just rebranded as like Overtone and Arctic Fox or whatever, but it's the same kind of thing. Same it's temporary dye that starts out real vibrant and then you look like somebody like sneezed on your head within a week. Yeah. It's disgusting. <laughs> I mean, Manic Panic is great. Great. We love you. Don't sue us. Everyone. <laughs> Classmates would, would describe him as uh, Luca as a strange loner. So he didn't really make friends. He did all this stuff just for like the attention of his class, but nobody kind of like grab the hook that he had baited. Um, his grandmother was completely unaccepted, unaccepting of Luca's attention grammic appearance and so-called effeminate manner. There are a lot of quotations where she calls him a extremely derogatory term for a gay man, which I am not going to repeat because I hate it. Okay. Um, but y'all can probably surmise that it's an F word that isn't fuck. And I'll say fuck, that's fine. But the <laughs> other one I don't like, so, you know. Um, but listen, I have heard Luca talk Way more than anyone ever should at this point. And I would not call him effeminate. Mm-mm. Did you listen to interviews with him? Did you hear yeah. him? Yeah. Um, he has like a very weird deep voice. And it's strange and like affected. Yeah, he's. it's definitely a made up voice. Yeah, that's not how he speaks in real life at no. all. But I wouldn't necessarily call it effeminate. No. It's just kind of not real. Mm-hmm. Um... He just sounds like he just sounds like he's eternally asking questions. Every sentence ends with a rise in pitch. You know? That's my best impression. Thank you. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> but I mean, like, everybody can latch onto that. We all have a question, uh, like a question asking friend that their mm-hmm. voice just does that all the time. That's what that was his voice. I'm also not his grandmother, so maybe she has like really weird high masculinity standards. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He does admit in later life in an interview that he purposefully drops his voice and that he practices dropping his voice to sound more masculine, more bassy. Okay. Okay. Live your life. 
Maybe then he had like a much more high-pitched voice. I don't know. Maybe. Not that that's emasculating. Get get it, high-pitched voice, men. Right. Well, again, it's just him not knowing who he is, so he's just... Faking it. Yeah, he's just faking it all around. Fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, or you do something awful. Hmm. Luca graduated high school in 2000, just like me, but elected to not go to college, unlike me. Instead, he decided it was just a better idea to get famous. Just get it. Yeah. Not like work towards a goal, just just be famous. So in 2002, after thinking about being famous for a while, I guess, <laughs> he was just like, I'm going to be famous. I got to think about it. Um, Luca began stripping at a club called Remington's Men of Steel. Good one. <laughs> in Toronto, under a variety of assumed names. <laughs> I, maybe it's not uncommon for strippers to have fake names. That seems like a thing that they do. Yeah, I don't think that that's weird. Okay. Jimmy is the one that stuck at that time. So okay. he called himself Jimmy. Um, and he, he that's what he did for most of 2002 for all I can see. In 2003, he moved on from stripping to being um, an escort, which he then parlayed into roles in pornographic films. So before I go on, I am not shaming sex workers. No. At all. Live your life being a sex worker does not make you anything other than a sex worker. It's not why Luca went on to do horrible things, but it is a major part of the story. And Luca was admittedly attracted to the work because he so desperately wanted to feel attractive and loved. That was his thing. But that doesn't mean it's yours, and it's not contagious. However, syphilis is, and that shit will take the nose right off your face. So, please be safe. Have I told people to look up saddle nose before? I think I did. You did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Enjoy that. At this point, Luca was making enough money um, as an escort and low-key porn star to move into his own little apartment. He got out from under his grandmother's thumb and also began to get uh, cosmetic procedures to enhance his appearance. But plastic surgery isn't cheap. And neither were other things Luca liked to surround himself with. So, in 2004, he started um, meeting people online. Started getting into that more. And he met and courted a 21-year-old woman on the internet. I feel like a creep using the word courted. I I don't know, but it really is the most appropriate way to describe the situation. Yeah. Even if it's something you expect to hear fall out of the mouth of, like, an old white dude who uses Aaron Hay as a toothpick. Gross. Yeah, and lives in an environment that supports Aaron Hay. (laughs) (laughs) But Luca convinced this woman to apply for credit cards that he then used to rack up a $10,000 debt. Yeah. Scammer. So many murderers are scammers first. It's the small things. Mm, they just add up. Uh, in 2005, this woman brought Luca to court on fraud charges. And she also came forward to accuse Luca of sexually assaulting her and videoing the entire incident. All of this is reprehensible. But what makes it worse is that the woman in question was admittedly intellectually disabled. She may have been 21, but she had the intellectual capacity of a 12-year-old. And if you think the story couldn't get worse, just wait. When this case went to court, the woman was able to pursue Luca on fraud, but the Crown decided to drop the sexual assault charge. There's no why. They just did. It's so weird. They just were like, we'll go for fraud, but you can't do that one too. Fuck that. I know. You would think that you would go on the more, like, 
grievous of them. Or just, uh, or both. both. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> he, did he did both. He did both. I don't know why they dropped it. Um, Luca pleaded guilty, and maybe it was a plea deal is all I can think of, and was convicted of four fraud charges with his attorney citing severe psychiatric issues as his reason for committing the crimes. Luca was given a sentence of nine months of community service and 12 months of probation, which is nothing. That's no. no jail time. At his sentencing, the judge, like when everything was said and done, and I fucking love a judge that will stick it to somebody with their sentencing in the mm-hmm. end. He warns that he knew Luca needed to seek out psychiatric help and that he believed he was extremely disturbed and that things would get worse if he did not follow through with right. his instructions. So he like saw something in him that was not yeah. okay. I mean, which is obvious. He's like a robot when you watch him talk. There's like just vacant eyes and this deep affected voice. Yeah. And he's there for assaulting a woman who is intellectually disabled, which is like, God, just the worst. Here's the kicker, though. Had the Crown chosen to pursue the sexual assault charges, Luca would have been on the Canadian Sex Offender Registry and kept closely monitored by the court, making a lot of his future crimes a lot more difficult to impossible to carry out. But because he was a young white male... Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. His one-time defense attorney is still haunted by this victory that seemingly benefited no one. There are interviews with him, which was like, well, yeah, I mean, these were the charges he got, and if that didn't happen, other stuff probably wouldn't have either. So you can tell that he feels, like, pretty shitty. Mm -hmm. How could he have known at the time he was just doing his job? I I couldn't be a defense attorney. That sounds so hard. I know. Yeah. I have a friend who was a public defender for years, and I don't know how he did it. I would never sleep. Um, But in the following, in the year that followed this event, Luca continued to occasionally make pornographic films and work steadily as an escort. He's still going by the name Jimmy at this point. Um, Strangely enough, during this time, he began telling anyone who would ask that he wanted to be a, a police officer. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. He was like, I want to go to the, the police academy, I, or I want to study to be a detective. That's what I want to do now. And, and it was like, he told a lot of people this. Right. Um, which, is, which is, you know, kind of suspect, given that he um, has a strong propensity for illegal activities. Yeah. Luca also earned himself a spot on the pages of Fab Magazine. Nice. As a fab boy. Mm. There he referred to himself as an escort and a soccer fan named Jimmy, because why not add a sport into the mix? (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I'm an escort and an athlete. What a catch! Got it all. Well, he's a soccer fan, maybe not an athlete. I'm an escort and I watch soccer. Yes. Hey. (laughs) The world's biggest sport. (laughs) That's true. Okay. Um, Fab Fun is a periodical that is strictly about Toronto's gay party scene. It sounds delightful. If you want to know just about that one thing, it is there for you. Perfect. Yeah, but it does not vet its participants, so enjoy all the possible criminals you're looking at. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because at that point, he had already committed crimes. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, so they're like, whatever. Let's put you in our magazine as a fab boy. Sorry, fab, don't sue me. Finally, in 2006, Luca formally changed his name to Luca Rocco Magnata. He began telling people he had immigrated from Russia and his family was Russian royalty. At one time, he went by, he, he was, like, telling people he was a Romanov or something, I believe, which I'm like, what? get out of here. 
You're yeah. not Princess Anastasia. Go home. Um, he slowly began attracting higher-end clients, though, as an escort, who would take him on their travels and request his service as more of a companion than a sex worker. And I assume this is kind of the goal of being an escort. Maybe some people are into the sex part, but traveling around and being spoiled just so you can act as arm candy and then watch the Great British Bake Off together sounds a lot more fun to me. Yes. Right? Everybody's dream. Okay. <laughs> Take me around the town and I don't, nothing is expected of me, but spoil me. Perfect. But somehow Lucas still managed to burn through all the money he got at a furious pace because in 2007 he filed for bankruptcy. Listing the cause as, quote, illness, lack of employment, and insufficient income to pay off debts, end quote. He also claimed that he had to pay $200 each month in expenses related to an unspecified, specified, am I thinking of pie? Leave the pie. (laughs) Anyway, an unspecified medical condition. Now, I've read in other sources, mostly interviews with his father, actually, that Luca was also diagnosed with schizophrenia or another form of psychosis, like kind of a nebulous form of psychosis, and was on antipsychotic medication, but without health insurance, which I doubt he had. Although, I don't know what it's like in Canada. I'm thinking this is the United States, and it's not. Um, it can be a costly affair, though. Mm-hmm. Antipsychotic medication could be expensive. It could be a $200 expense. That could also be therapy. Right. Because he was court-suggested to be under psychiatric care. And there are a few, um, like, psychiatrists that came forward saying that they had, like, diagnosed him as bipolar at one point, which I don't think he is because he does not show any symptoms of either severity. Um, I could be wrong, but um, according to our friend Andrew, most people, that's like a blanket that, most, that is thrown on all mental illnesses. They're like, oh, you're, you are bipolar. There you go. Right. Um, and some people said he was schizophrenic, which he later confesses that he kind of faked. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm going on a tangent for a minute, I think that the most accurate diagnosis for him, which someone does say later on is, um, oh my gosh, it went right out of my head, borderline personality disorder. Yes. Mm-hmm. Serial killer's best friend. Lots of them have it. But um, he's clearly a narcissist. And um, and self-destructive in some ways. So anyway, that's my tangent on his psych problems, which we can get back to at a later later date. But um, that's how they kind of explained this $200 fee that he incurred. Um, but this was not enough for Luca. So then he decided he was going to try his hand, like after he d- declared bankruptcy and rebounded, um, he decided he was going to be a reality television star. <laughs> Fair. And anytime anyone says that statement, unless they're a Kardashian, it's pretty much straight, like, into the abyss for them. <laughs> right. And the story is no exception. But it was 2008. Life is a little different. Let's talk mm-hmm. about 2008. Give me some hot trends. So the real world was in Hollywood. Oh, I didn't even <laughs> know the real world was still a thing then. It still was a thing. So... You saying that makes sense to me because a lot of, at this point, reality TV had been going on for a while Mm -hmm. and there were always people on there that became rich somehow. Like they became actors or that's the reason why they go on that is to become models or actors. Simon Rex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dating myself with that one. Okay. (laughs) All right. 2008 was my thriving year. I was... Going into my senior year of college. So good. It was the perfect weight. 
It was great. <laughs> anyway, Britney Spears made a comeback, my girl. Oh, yes. You love a Britney moment. I do love a Britney moment. This was a good one. After various personal and career struggles Baldness. and losing custody of her kids, Oof. she ended the second half of the year with her sixth album and my favorite, Circus. Because she is kind of a circus. I love it. I so love that her. was poor thing. Oh my god! In two thousand and eight, I was like obsessed with um, kind of like celebrity pop culture blog called The Superficial, mm-hmm. and like they t- he talked about Britney Spears so much, and it was such a funny thing to read. So often, that's like my memory of that time. <laughs> Perfect. So she did win three VMA awards. I'm proud of her. Oh, we love awards. So she was kill- we do. We talked about how much we mm-hmm. love awards. Yeah. I don't win any, but you do. Bless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Twilight movie saga begins. God damn it. Twilight is everywhere. Yes. Meaning vampires were pretty in then. Yeah. Yeah. Beyonce and Jay-Z tied the knot. Cool. Uh, Bragelina have twins. They had their twins. Oh, yeah. Miley Cyrus, uh, her Vanity Fair. No. (laughs) She had a, I think she was 15. Uh, Yeah, 15. She had that Vanity Fair shoot that caused some controversy. She had like a a blanket or something wrapped around her, but you can tell she looked like she was shirtless and she was only 15. Is her whole vagina out? No, not yet. Feels like what's going to happen. I like Miley though. I'm not saying that in a critical way. No, I love Miley. This was one of her like little stunts. Had they known, they wouldn't even have said anything. It was just the first time it was like shocking, you know? Just wait, guys. Just wait. Uh, High School Musical 3 made it to the big screen. Three. Yes. Well, well, well. Because we're all in this together. That is in a gap for me. I was too old for it. I was also too old for it, but it doesn't mean I didn't know it. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone was talking about Heath Ledger's Joker performance in The Dark Knight. So he had died in January, but the film screened later that year. I remember being in a CVS. When it came on the radio mm-hmm. that Heath Ledger had been found dead in like an Olsen twins apartment. Yeah. And I, I think stopped. it was Ashley's too. One of the two. I stopped in the middle of the aisle and I like audibly was like, that's not true. And I kept going. I was like, that's a lie. Yeah. It was no. very shocking. I know. The hottest men will go. I love the that we get so men. many hottest men. Yeah. The hottest men this year were Hugh Jackman. Okay. I can get down with that. Robert Pattinson. <laughs> so sparkly. Chase Crawford. Do you remember him? Who is that? He's from Gossip Girl. He was like the cute one that um didn't watch that. You didn't watch it. Mm-hmm. It's okay. He was he was cute. He was Nate on Gossip Girl. Okay. You can show me him later. Okay. You guys can post a thousand pictures of him on our Facebook uh, page. It's so wrong that I like him now when I watch Gossip Girl because he's Is he like, like a baby? He I mean, I guess he would have still been older, but he's probably over eighteen. That's fine. That's probably fine. <laughs> Zac Efron. We all love some Zac Efron. <laughs> James Marsden. I love him. I know. Chris Brown. Also delightful. <laughs> and Daniel Craig. Yes. Okay. Um, oh, Ryan Gosling and Will Smith and Brad Pitt, of course, were also Brad Pitt. on there. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. Um, the Sexiest Women that year. Uh, I think the person that won was Halle Berry. So, right. Good. Mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson, Jessica Biel, Sarah Michelle Geller, my girl Buffy. Oh, you love Buffy. <laughs> I do love Buffy. Rihanna, the Pussycat Dolls, just all of them. <laughs> hate that word so much. Ooh, uh, Ashanti and Ashley Olsen. 
but not Mary Kate. Ashley Olsen was she the one? I think it was. Oh no, is that why? It might be, but because Mary Kate's not on here, or maybe it was Mary Kate, and that's why they put Ashley Olsen. Oh man, I don't know. You guys have to. Ashley was the prettier one though. Mary Kate was like, yeah, it was. Aren't they the same? No, one has more like a feminine feature. The other one can play more like the tomboy. Okay. I grew up with them, so I could usually tell who was on screen. Oh, could you? Oh, man. And then they kind of switched the looks a little bit, but I think Ashley was the one that acted more. Okay. I think she. Did they ever act independently of one another? No. I don't think so. I think they just gave up. They they started their fashion line. Yeah, they did. They wore. Big Which I had a lot of for a long time. I had a lot of their clothes. Did you? I did. They were my jam. Oh man, they were for me. They were for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember I was working in a daycare when their movies were out on like video cassettes. Yes, because I have them all. If you such, ever such want a dinosaur to watch them, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I watched them a lot at that point in time. And I was always taking like the kids would watch it and they would be so into it, invested. And I would be sitting at like the teacher desk in this room, being like. Why the fuck are they dating 30-year-old men? I was oh, I furious <laughs> they all were the time. always so old. Oh, my God. It was always, like, little Mary-Kate and Ashley who were, like, 13, and then a 30-year-old man was their love interest. Oh, I mean, that would go on to be prophetic for them, but still. Yes. Oh, I was so angry. <laughs> oh, anyway. Well, that was 2008. That was a fun diversion. Uh, so this is the, um, like, pool of pop culture that we're going into now. And Luca was very invested in that, mm-hmm. as we will come to find out. And I hinted at before, he had a lot of cosmetic procedures. He had a very stylized look. He had, like, the frosted tips going on. And he frequently led, like, glossy lips and designer clothes and had this very, like, drop into what you conjure up in the images of, like, those popular celebrities. And that's what yeah. he wanted to look Lance like. Lance Bass. Yeah. <laughs> totally Lance Bass. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. Oh, he was my favorite in thinky person. Mine too. I mean, now it's Justin Timberlake, obviously, but yes, but it was Lance because he was, was attainable. <laughs> and then you find out was he's gay. He? Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, that's why he was not attainable for either one of us. But we still love you, Lance. Love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay, we're gonna like tick back a little bit. We're going into 2008 at this point. In the fall of 2007, Luca auditioned for a reality television show called Cover Guy. Yes. (laughs) Which is clearly just like a male model search type thing. I've watched this whole interview. Oh, me too. It is painful. Mm -hmm. It like hurts my like sternum to watch. I just want to shrink into myself. I can't watch awkward things, by the way. Have you ever seen me try to watch The Office? I shrink into my couch. Do you? Yeah, I can't handle it. And I love comedy, and I can't handle it. That It is hard to watch. My dad can't watch it either. Will likes to watch me watch it because I look like someone is physically, like, poking me the whole time. No, Michael is just – it's hard. I love Steve Carell, too. Oh, my yeah. God. National treasure. But I can't I can't <laughs> handle it. I don't know. I'm bad at it. I can do Parks and Rec. I can't do – That one's fine. I can't now. do The Office. It hurts my soul. <laughs> anyway – this interview does that same thing to me. It is just painful to, to listen to or watch. First of all, the judges just pick his appearance apart. They just rip him to shreds mm-hmm. right away. They tell him, like, he's too scrawny and he would need to pick up a mass amount of muscle in, like, two weeks' time if he wanted to stand a chance. And anyone with two brain cells to rub together can tell you that this absolutely is not possible. Mm-mm. You can't gain muscle mass in two weeks. That's not going to happen. No. Physical trainer Leslie? No, it's not. See? You can lose it, but... No, and he kept saying, like, I can't... First of all, <laughs> he said a lot of really fun things in this one. Um, 
he kept saying, like, I can gain weight fast. I can gain weight fast. It'll be fine. He just kept arguing with them. Like, yeah. no, 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 you don't understand. I can do this. Yeah, so can I, Luca. They're called Doritos. <laughs> but he first he tells the judges that he was really heavy until recently, but he lost lots and lots of weight by running nonstop. He ran so long and so hard that his family became concerned and told him to stop all that running, but he said absolutely not and kept on running until he was shockingly thin. <sighs> I just... I wish this guy was either better at exaggerating or just out and out joking because the faux earnesty with which he tells this gigantic lie is upsetting at best. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Like it's so false, but he like is so invested in a persona. It's obviously like not a reality for him, but he's like, I'm going to mm-hmm. be this person. Right. Well, and he's so desperate. He just wants to be famous. Right. Yeah. And he thinks in his head, he's like, this is an inspirational story and producers will like it. So I'm going to say, I used to be a fat kid and now I'm whatever he was. Mm -hmm. Um, Luca went on to talk about how insanely beautiful he is and uttered the famous line, quote, people tell me I'm really devastatingly good looking, end quote, before the judges just sent him on his way. He was not cast. (laughs) But he was also not deterred. And he wasn't like really affected the whole time he just kept arguing with them kind of i mean that was my takeaway i will post these videos to our social media you guys can watch them they are uncomfortable but you know what have at it i did next luca got a little spot on a nudist television show nice Mm -hmm. i love canada right yeah canada's a delight and it was called wait for it the naked news Yes, the naked news. <laughs> oh, you, you know that. You've heard yeah, of it. Well, we had uh, school trips to Canada. <laughs> so, <laughs> did you watch the naked news? Mm-hmm. Are they, in fact, naked? Yeah. Oh. Okay. And they actually have a naked news anchor. Is there like a desk to block? No, she's just up there. Oh. And she just gives the news. She, naked. of course, it's a, it's a she. she. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have watched it if it was a he because I would have been like, <laughs> nobody <laughs> wants to see a dick on TV. Nobody. <laughs> when I. <laughs> When I was writing this, I was might have been drinking a little wine, <laughs> and I literally have in my notes, I have seen a lot more dicks than active murders, and I am a better person for it. No. <laughs> I have seen no active murders, so that's okay. <laughs> it's true, though. I'm better for it. Good. I just like that you mentioned penises right away. That was helpful. <laughs> <laughs> they, they tried really hard naming this show, obviously. Yeah. Um, and in this interview, Luca talks about being like a world-famous, tra- uh, world-traveling, high-end escort with tons of designer thing, blah, 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 blah. And I know it feels like we're beating a dead horse at this point, an expression I hate because I would never beat a horse, alive or dead. But there's just one more interview after this that we have to visit before um, – the fan becomes unmistakably marred with refuse. And that show was called Plastic Makes Perfect. Mm. That I'm, sounds like a serial killer show. Yeah, it sounds like horrible people make it for other sad people mm-hmm. that make them even more sad. Yep. That's what it is. I found this one to be the most chilling. This show purports to be about the world of plastic surgery and people who are obsessed with it. I admit to watching Botched. Botched and hooked on the look that like little internet clippy thing that's people with nutty physical Mm -hmm. decisions that they make. I think my Um, sister was on Botched. What? 
I think that was the one. It was one of those but, shows where they like went on and she had plastic surgery done. Did she go to like the really famous? Yeah, they like sent her surgeons? out there and yeah, she did like a whole thing and they like fixed. She had botched like nose surgery okay. when she broke it and like some other. She got like bit by a dog. I need, and, I need to see this. Yeah, I can find it. She is the one on there that, like, she looks sane compared to everyone else. I well, mean, she sure. is sane, but, like, well, she yeah. looks she looks wildly sane next to the other two people well, on well, the show. these people don't usually look like they have any of their life together. I mean, occasionally they do. Yeah. Occasionally. Like, I'll, I'll put the episode up on They usually have, page. like, oh, do it. Usually mm-hmm. they have, like, one person who has, like, a legitimate complaint, like, something awful happened. They need to have it fixed. And then yeah. they have, like... Bad shit, crazy yeah. cases. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, um, I also like my strange addiction, which sometimes features like plastic surgery stuff, but it's just people who have weird like addictions. Um, and I am not a better person for it, but I do get the pull of these things. Obviously, we both do. Um, I'm thinking they were really looking for outrageously dysmorphic people that they wanted to exploit. And like we were just saying, generally shows like that want the biggest and craziest results possible. And then they have like a sane ringer. Um, and then they pull the rug out from under the contestants and make them look mildly insane or majorly sad or formerly both. Luca, the entire time, is trying to emulate that extremely specific flavor of television crazy and failing. It's very hard to watch. Um, I think it was John Mulaney who said that crazy people have unlimited crazy currency, meaning that they don't know they're saying outrageous things and see no reason to stop. And it feels a lot like Luca is attempting to do an impression of that state of mind, but cannot improvise, so he just affirmatively answers a bunch of leading questions. Hmm. She's like, this is what they want to hear, so I'm going to try and be that person. But he doesn't look crazy. He doesn't have, like, some kind of insane plastic surgery around him. He just kind of looks airbrushed, for lack of a better word. Um, And he admits to having numerous cosmetic procedures, including his nose and his eyes, and then goes into a disarming amount of detail about his three hair transplant surgeries. Apparently, um, he was developing, like, a bit of a fryer tuck situation around the middle back of his head. And then he, um, so, and his barbers made fun of him when he went to have his haircut. They were, like, talking about how he was balding. Um, so he had the, like, part of the back of his head removed and then, like, chopped up and sewed on top of his head. This is a very crude description, but you get the gist. It's, like, kind of an invasive surgery for for something like that. And he goes on to say that... <laughs> He wants musculature implants, like he wants fake pecs, and he wants abs, or he wants arms, or whatever. And that, and that's really common in shows like that. They always want some kind of weird muscle implant that you could work for, but you know what? <laughs> Muscles are hard, but hot. Um, and then it gets interesting. First, the interviewer leads him down the primrose path of, do you think you're addicted to plastic surgery? And he goes, yes, I'm very addicted to plastic surgery. Um... <laughs> And she says, like, do you think you will ever stop? No, I don't know. And she she goes down, like, this is the questioning they give everybody that's like this. Is there such a thing as perfect? Will you ever be perfect? And he tells her, you know, exactly what she wants to hear. No, I have to, I'm going to keep going until I reach what I want. And I don't know what that is. Um, And then she asks, is there anything else you think you would want to have done that we haven't mentioned? 
Then he goes on to talk about how he once saw a documentary where a man had two bony protuberances on the front of his forehead that stuck out like horns. Not the Daniel Radcliffe movie. This is different. And this man went on to have them sanded down so that his forehead would be smooth. Now, this is skull surgery. Right. (laughs) Make no mistake in what I am referring to here. We're like a shade shy of trepanation here. And... Lucas said he thought he had them too, and that when he looked in the mirror, he saw, like, devil horns, and he wanted to get them removed. So weird. Red flag! There was not—I mean, there are doctors that um, have, like, commented on this, and they say, he obviously doesn't have anything like that. His forehead is perfectly smooth. I don't right. know why. I, I mean, he... we've seen the videos of him. But yeah, everybody before. has seen pictures and videos of him. And if not, they will. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, that, that's not a thing at all. So either he's a little crazy in the way that he thinks he has devil horns, or he's a little crazy in the way that he just latched onto somebody else's story and made it him. Yeah, absolutely. Which seems like, to me, what he is about. He's all about wearing other people's personas yeah. to see if he can be a person. Mm-hmm. Um, just that story always just struck me as so weird. Like it just sticks out. So obviously he's turned down once again. So with reality show fame slowly fading into a distant dream, Luca decided that maybe if he couldn't be famous, he could be infamous. Guys, if you, if you ever have that thought, historically, it means you're going to do something awful and you should check yourself into therapy as soon as possible. If you ever think, like, I should be infamous. Nope, you got there's stuff going on. You got to go get yourself taken care of. And before we get to the cats, don't worry, I am going to prepare you. Let's warm up with a little internet rumor Luca started about himself. He decided he would create several YouTube accounts and blogs wherein it was stated that infamous Canadian murderer Carla Homolka was dating local boy Luca Magnata. Now, if you don't know who she is... We will talk about her and her husband at some point in time, but it is horrible. Um, Here's the briefest summary possible. Carla married a psychopath named Paul Bernardo, and together they raped and murdered a bunch of girls, including her little sister. While in court, she blamed the entire thing on her husband and is now walking around scot-free while he rots in jail. As it turns out, she was just as guilty and just as much of a psychopath as he was, and there is a lot of buyer's remorse on the part of the Canadian legal system here as well. But there are no exceptions on the whole double jeopardy situation, so Carla remains a free woman. She's not real popular, but she's also not in jail. Oh, and she was, like, never dating Luca Magnata. That's something he obviously made up. Luca catfished the internet into thinking that someone else was saying all these things about him. And to make matters worse, there are photos in these videos he made, like video compilations about Carla, of Luca with a very thin blonde woman who could pass for Carla Homolka, but she isn't. Do you know who she is? His mom. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So he used pictures of him and his mom, cut into like a compilation with pictures of her, and made it look like they had a relationship. Great. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. To really get the maximum amount of attention for this ludicrous lie, Lucas stumbles into the office of a Chicago newspaper, totally unannounced, and just says that he's there to talk about the rumors people have started about him and Carla. The officer wasn't sure. Like, he was like, what is is happening here? Um, But he... They did comment about how similar Luca looked to Carla's husband, psychopath Paul, and he does. He really does look like Paul Bernardo, who is known for being handsome. Mm -hmm. And so it could have been on purpose. An ex-girlfriend of Luca's states that 
Um, this was not an accident. He was obsessed with killers. The officer said that Luca was stammering and sporting a full face of makeup, which I would be too if I thought I was talking to the press. I mentioned this detail because it did showcase the fact that Luca was there to be seen. Yeah. People did let this rumor catch briefly, but seeing as Luca started it himself self, and had nothing to back it up, eventually the buzz just died off. But he got a taste of what the internet can do when it likes your weird little thing. And this was around the time that the video Three Girls, One Cup was popular. Popular is generous. It was a spectacle that people put themselves through en masse. <laughs> if you don't know what it is, I am not going to tell you much about it other than that it is, it is the kind of pornography that could potentially give the partic- participants a nasty bacterial infection somewhere. Anywhere. There are so many fluids. It's awful. Or so I'm told. I refuse to go near it. If that's your thing, find another thing. Suspend yourself from cadaver hooks and let your hair on fire. But please, please, please stay away from the contents of someone else's intestines. You can never go back. Have you seen it? I've seen it. You have? Leslie! Of the two of us, people would expect it was me. But it wasn't. (sighs) You dirty bird. (laughs) (laughs) Does it make it better? There was like a large group, and I was kind of forced to be like peek around somebody and be like, oh. I mean, like, kind of. I was friends with a lot of guys at one point, and at most points in my life, it was, I saw a lot of things I didn't want to. From what I heard, there are a lot of fluids and solids. I think I saw a mini, a mini version of it, a very mini. I really only am left with one image that's like probably the less gross of all of it. Cool, cool, cool. Ooh. I cannot. Um, But the video piqued Luca's interest, not insofar as that he was, like, turned on by it, but he liked the way it provoked an enormous response. Mm -hmm. Not only that people were talking about it, but that there were, that it created an entire subgenre of videos solely devoted to watching people's reactions to it. Right. I mean, there are thousands of videos of just reaction videos. People watch, it's just their face watching it. Yeah. Um. And it caught fire by revulsion, which suddenly seemed attainable. And this sent Luca down a rabbit hole that ended in internet snuff films. And yes, they still exist. I'm not even being funny here whatsoever. It is very, very easy to watch people die online. Please don't, though. This is absolutely real and horrific at a level that is far beyond what anyone should be entertained by. I will not watch them. I will not Google them. I will not engage in this at all. Full stop. My search history is terrifying. I'm sure I am on several lists, but there are limits, and I will urge you not to cross them either. The people dying in those videos are somebody's baby. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Once Luca discovered these videos, though, he quickly picked the worst one he could find called Three Guys, One Hammer, and shared it across all of his profiles, which we will find later was quite a few. And uh, I won't look up this video. I, I know what I have been told, and you guys can put it together. Um, somebody doesn't survive, and their demise is vicious and protracted. The episode of Sword and Scale devoted to Luca Magnata, it's actually two parts. If you want to hear, like, a lot of him talking, you can check that out. Um, but it is very graphic, and um, I'm going to issue, like, a little bit of a warning. It's it's a hard listen, very hard listen. Um, and it plays audio clips of Three Guys, One Hammer, and it took me weeks to get the screams out of my head. So... Um, but it got reactions, and Luca felt that he was on the right path in sharing it. So um, 
Okay, consider this your warning. Here come the cats. I will describe the cat deaths in as few words as possible. It does nothing to further the story for me to get into how these kittens meet their unfortunate end in graphic detail, and everybody hates animal deaths. And my cat's on the table right now. Hi, Winnie. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to traumatize you. Everybody can breathe. Well, no, I won't traumatize you like that anyway. I'm not going to go out for kitty torture porn. Um and this brings us to December 22nd, 2010, when an online group of animal rights activists called the Animal Beta Project finds a video entitled One Boy, Two Kittens. It is a video of a man with his face covered, petting two kittens and cooing at them, and then putting them in a vacuum seal bag, attaching the vacuum hose, and sucking the air out until they're both dead. I hate it so much. Uh-huh. That is the briefest way I could talk about it, too. Yeah. And if you do go watch Don't Fuck With Cats, you don't see it. They talk about... It, but they, I feel like they really do a good job at not forcing you into, like, a graphic. No, they show enough that you can then, like, you could get the visual of what's going to yeah, happen. It's, it's, like, I, I feel like I've seen it It's so very many stressful, and it's just, that. like, peripheral images. Yeah. But you will never see them actually hurt the see him actually hurt the cat. Um, and there's a follow-up video where he um, rubs the bodies of the cats, the dead bodies, all over his naughty bits. Oh, I didn't see that one. Yeah. He also has videos where he's, like, fucking animals online. It's fun. Ew, I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. It's going to get real dark, you guys. Um, And this is where we first get the web sleuth alias um, John Green and Body Movin', who we love in the documentary. That's where these guys come in. These people came together with 4,000 others mm-hmm. to track down the, quote, vacuum kitten killer. So immediately they were off and running with the first video because, of course, there were more. Um, and the web sleuths were able to track down and make um, a, the make and model of the vacuum and pin it down to being sold in certain areas, which was, like, insane mm-hmm. to me. It was, like, a little weird yellow vacuum. Um, and I'm not going to give you all of the Don't Fuck With Cats details because you can watch Don't Fuck With Cats. Yeah. Um, and it's not – I don't have six hours. So um, watch it, though. It's fantastic. Um, they were zooming in on him. And his location, but before they had the chance to go any further, they received an anonymous email claiming that the vacuum kitten killer, vacuum killer, kitten, kitten killer, yes, whatever, was a man named Luca Magnata. Um, and he lived in West Hollywood, which sounds glamorous, but I don't know if it is or not because California is not my area of expertise. And they ran with this. Obviously, they have a name. They were able to pin Luca to over 70 Facebook accounts. Mm-hmm. 20 websites, and numerous YouTube pages. He had created his own little catfish village, and if you guys are familiar with any of, like, the catfish stuff, this is super common in the world of internet deception. Not only do you need to create a profile to put out content, but you have to create out many, many, many more to comment on it and be that profile's friends. So you in you create their whole world. Mm-hmm. So it looks legitimate. They uncover a plethora of manufactured online information. Pictures of Luca in exotic locations, pictures of Luca standing by his side, expensive cars, other profiles, profiles he clearly created, refer to him as, quote, the Prince of Canada. <laughs> yeah. He manufactured his own celebrity for these people to uncover. Though I'm not sure what image he hoped to gain. Beloved, handsome millionaire who murders kittens and then sexually assaults their bodies? That's a flattering headline. And then members of the online group found that many of Luca's photos were uploaded with with embedded information. And this is where they get fucking awesome. Um, So it was embedded information on the make and serial number of a camera, a hot pink Panasonic DMC-F3. 
and this is a quote from the animal activist group, there are pictures of Luca Magnata taken with the same camera as the camera which took the photos of the suspect holding the kittens before they were killed, wrote Animal Beta Project in a 17-page evidence document posted to their website, and I have read all of their evidence. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, if you have, like, a thing for, like, investigative stuff, holy cannoli. It's very good. Definitely do your own Googling on, on just this. Don't watch any of the videos. Just don't. Um, the blogs he posted on and Craigslist ads that they subsequently found, not like the major one, but other ones, he posted um, and his alias posted, became increasingly violent and sexual as time passed on. He was looking for someone to act out rape fantasies, and he was looking for someone to act out a lot of sexual sadism situations and coprophagia, which is like a nice fancy word for scat stuff. Huh. Um, so he's doing like a lot of it's kind of fringe stuff at that point in time. And if you're into fringe stuff, that's fine. Just know your limits. I love the show Fringe. There you go. Don't do this stuff though. Okay. Cool. Meanwhile, during their extensive search, um, the, uh, what was it called the Animal Beta Project, um, found two new cat killing videos, allegedly featuring this mystery monster that came to light in, quote, Python Christmas, which I'm assuming you love, Leslie. I hated this one mm-hmm. so much. A man suspected to be Luca feeds a four-month-old kitten to a 17-foot-long albino Burmese python, all while dressed as Santa Claus. Oh. I know. I hate it. I, I visualize it, and I hate it. I know. It's such a weird... People who... Possess snakes. No, we don't have to talk about it. Just for a hot minute. (laughs) They don't generally, I don't think, feed them anything that large. It's like mice and stuff. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know, Holly. This is one thing I didn't look up, and I usually look up all the rabbit holes. (laughs) I know I have snake-owning friends, and I know if, I'll know if you listen, because you will tell me. (laughs) Um... We're going to move on from that because Leslie's losing her mind right now. She looks like me watching The Office. (laughs) Just physically reacting to it. (laughs) Oh, God. In, quote, bath time, LOL, um, a man tapes a cat to a broom handle before drowning it in a bathtub. I know. Kittens. I know. And these are like little baby kittens, too. It's tr- it's truly reprehensible. It's awful. So they find those. Then they dig up um, an Ontario Gazette from 2005, and the group determined that Luca had been born Eric Newman and had changed his name in 2006, which we already figured out. They also dug up the names of his mother, father, sister, and grandmother, many of whom live around Peterborough, Ontario, and linked Luca to locations in the Toronto area by analyzing intersections, gas stations, and apartment buildings featured in the backgrounds of his online photos. It's so good. You guys have to watch this documentary. <gasps> so Most of you, you probably not. have, but yeah, uh, it, this is just amazing forensic work. Yeah. It's, it's like the kind of thing you see on like crime dramas on TV. Like I don't even know that real police work does some of this like nitty-gritty detail stuff that they did. Right. It's really phenomenal. Well, um, cuz they don't have this large of a team working no, with them. No. 4,000 people, that's bananas. Mm-hmm. Um and and they were rightly concerned that this psychopath was going to move on to people next and they were desperately trying to cut him off at the pass. Yeah. People are heroes. 
Uh, then in December of 2011, Luke appeared in London. Uh, London as in, like, England, not Ontario, Canada. Okay. Just another one. <laughs> in the office of a local newspaper, telling the staff, again, he's, like, just stumbled into a newspaper, mm -hmm. and he told the staff that he was being accused of being the kitten killer, and he wanted to defend himself. But they didn't really know an enormous amount about that. Right. Um, and... But just as he had done before, he acted very self-important and rattled off a truly sensational sob story. He spoke to reporter Alex West with his full makeup face on, seemingly high as an elephant's eye, and he told Alex he was fabulously wealthy and had issues due to people being jealous of him. <laughs> and that's why they were framing him for these acts. Alex listened and then sent him on his way. But with extremely minor reconnaissance, he could find out that fabuli fabulously rich and beloved millionaire Luca Magnata was staying in a seedy motel. Not exactly millionaire behavior, if you ask absolutely anybody. Right. Um, and days after the interview, Alex West rece received a disturbing email from the, quote, kitten killer, saying that the next time you will see me with a human. Ugh. West reported this to all British authorities. But since Luca was no longer in the UK, nor was he a resident of the UK, they decided it was not in their jurisdiction and promptly forgot about it. Again, there's a lot of buyer's remorse in this tale. Right. Hindsight is 2020. Yes. And it will be about 2020 a whole yes. lot. <laughs> I know. It's going to be like the same for yep. this year. And then five months pass. Ugh. After that time, profiles begin popping up all over the internet asking about, like, in, like, Yahoo questions and stuff like that. You know, how you could just kind of ask the internet at large questions. Um, they were asking about a video called One Lunatic, One Ice Pick. It seemed that everybody was dying to know where to find this video. Obviously, the everybody that I have in quotations in this is just a flurry of profiles created by Luca himself. Finally, one of them answers that they think it will be available on Tor, which I believe is, like, a, a video sharing site. And he was drumming up interest for the main event. So he's like a very good marketing team for himself. On May 24th, 2012, Luca posts an ad on Craigslist that says the following. I am looking for a sexy guy who is interested in becoming an actor in a personal movie I am making. Please be between 18 and 35. Good looking. I am making the movie for me. It's for fun, so I'm not going to pay you anything. If you are interested, send your stats with a face and body pic. Remember, no pic, no answer. And I'm not looking for sex. No cocksucking. Well, as long as there's no cocksucking. I'm in! <laughs> Within 15 minutes, Luca had received a response from a student from Concordia University named Junlin. And before we get into the terrible things that happened to him, let's let Leslie tell about who he really was. First of all, he was adorable. He was adorable. Very adorable. handsome. Adorable. Oh, my gosh. Very handsome Chinese man. Oh, God. He was very good looking. Mm -hmm. So, Lin was a 33-year-old international undergrad That's right. student. He was older. Mm -hmm. I From about that. Wuhan, China. We all know where Wuhan, China is now. We do now. He moved to Montreal in 2010 to study engineering and computer science at Concordia University. Smart boy. He enrolled under the name Justin Lin. Okay. Uh, his friends described him as positive, genuine, and a hard worker. Mm. 
Jen Lin uh, not only went to school, but he also worked part-time at a corner store um, as a cashier and took French classes. He was probably learning French so that he had an easier time of getting, like, his Canadian residency. Yeah, a lot of, um, like, I, I, I read a lot about Canadian high schools just to, like, mm-hmm. for um, reference to where Luca went. A lot of them have, like, immersive French programs. So oh, it's, absolutely, like, yeah. They're dual language there. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Netflix docuseries, Benjamin Zhu, who says he is his best friend, um, said he was reliable, shy, and would always let his closest friends know if he was going out of town, which is why we'll probably soon find out one of the reasons, like, it was the next day when they didn't hear from him. Yeah, they, they immediately were right concerned. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Benjamin also reveals that, quote, he was gay but not openly, and this drew him to Canada because of the country's reputation as a more liberal and accepting pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, before coming to Canada, John Lin was married to a woman, but he did get divorced. I didn't know that. I didn't either, yeah. Huh, Interesting. Uh, soon after Jun Lin moved to Montreal, he began dating a man named Feng Lin. Their relationship ended a few weeks before his murder. So that was about like two weeks or so okay. before. Um, Feng, who uh, he went back and forth between China and Canada a lot. Oh, God, that's mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Um, he was older. He was 35 years old. Um, he was a uh, software company manager. And he was actually flown in from China to testify in court on this case. Yikes. Um, he says their relationship ended because Jun Lin's family wanted him to settle down. So they dated for almost two years. And, again, ended because his family wanted him to marry a woman. Oh, so they wanted him to settle down with a woman. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, again, he wasn't openly gay to his family. But Feng yeah. Lin, his family knew that he was gay and also knew about Jun and they, like, were accepting oh. of it. But oh. Feng also was very understanding because he kind of he came from the same culture. He and completely I, understood. I'm going to assume it's not an enormously accepting culture when no. it comes to different- Yeah, and Jun Lin was very – he was a good boy. So he wanted. I, I heard he a lot loved of his family. With his yeah, They're very upsetting. Yeah. Um, Thang describes Jun Lin as a fitness buff who didn't smoke, drink, or do grub, do drugs. Did and some grubs. He did some grubs. Yeah, not too many grubs because he was in pretty good shape. He was in great shape. Mm-hmm. I can just tell you from surveillance video. He would go to the gym up to four times a week. Okay. During their two-year relationship, they were faithful to each other, and he loved him very much. Ugh. They had uh, what he says is a normal sexual relationship, and they were, quote, not very interested in pornography. So, again, a lot of this I'm getting from um, the his his uh, testimony okay. in court. Mm-hmm. Um, Fang testified that Jun Lin would use uh, Grindr to meet other men, but that didn't happen until after they broke up. Okay. So, like, during their—they stayed friends after their breakup, mm-hmm. and— he was very open about that kind of thing. And he said he was free to do whatever he wanted. We were, we just knew like we were never going to be a thing yeah. anymore. Uh, they remained friends and still called each other and texted each other almost every day. Oh. So during the, um, during Feng Lin's testimony, the lawyers are going to question him a lot okay. and try to make him feel like. He didn't really know Jun Lin's, like, life, almost like he had an alter ego. Oh. And that he was, you know, a lot seedier and did, like, risque things. The Craigslist ad isn't seedy, though. 
I just read it. He yeah. just said I want to make a movie, but like he literally said no cocksucking. Right. <laughs> like, well, so they do ask him about like, did you guys ever do bondage or anything like that? And okay. he was like, no, we didn't. It was very normal. We didn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. He was just like, I don't know what he did after we broke up, but like that's and on two him. weeks. Exactly, like he was going to get super wild yeah, afterwards. I'm real weird yeah. immediately. Now, I do think that based on some of their um, their findings into maybe like his, in- mm-hmm. Jenlin's internet searches, things like that, they do find that he had some like hardcore gay porn videos. And that's what they're, I know. I mean, even if he was just curious or looking at it, to me, it's like, that doesn't mean he has like an alter ego or a whole other dark life that he's trying to go by. And again, like you said, that Craigslist didn't, didn't sound seedy. No, it specifically said, this is not a sex thing. Exactly. Yeah. So, and also, I mean, he was struggling with his own identity and he was a gay man and, Mm -hmm. but he knew that he had to please his parents and he wanted to please his parents and so it could you know sometimes that can lead you into an extreme for a little while and then you get kind of dialed back but his parents make me so sad did you like read any of his parents quotes i did i have um a quote after i don't know if we go into the testimony too Uh, much at all not really too much but um the so this was what his father said at the mm-hmm. end. Um, so this is an impact statement read before the court after um, they found uh, Magnata guilty. Um, the so his father uh, Duran Lin called mm-hmm. him his brave son, smart son, laughing son, caring son, adventurous son, handsome son, strong son, popular son. Um, In this statement, he said his son wanted to stay in Canada to start his own business, a dream that would never come to pass. His mother talks a lot about how he really thought Canada was like the place all of his dreams were going to come true. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a a point where they were considering having him buried in Canada, too, because that's like where he wanted to be. Yeah. But um, I don't think that ended up coming to pass. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I've heard his. I've heard his mother give statements. I mean, obviously there's a language barrier, but her voice is heartbreaking. I know. Yeah. So. Yeah, thank you for that. I I feel like it's really important that we kind of know who he is before we talk about what happened to him because mm-hmm. he's a person and he deserves us to know about him. And I'll post a bunch of pictures of his super handsome face, yes. um, looking looking cute and awesome. So. Oh, okay. Now I'm going to kind of give a timeline rundown of the events that followed the evening that Luca and Jenlin met up, which again was May 24th, 2012. Jen's friend reported him, reported getting a text message from him on his phone at 9 p.m. His boss became suspicious when he did not show up for his shift the next day. So again, like you said, this would be out of character for him. He would always be going to work. Three of his friends went to his apartment on May 27th, and you can see them interviewed in Don't Fuck With Cats. Yeah. They do talk about him. They talk about um, the state his apartment was in and how it just looked like he had gone out briefly and not like he left for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was reported missing to police on May 29th. On May 24th, back back to the day, uh, security cameras showed John entering Lucas' building with him. The two look happy and are chatting. Um, it's disarming to watch because you can tell he has no idea what's coming. Um, some hours later, Luca is shown exiting the building wearing Jen's T-shirt. He has like a yellow graphic tee on and then Luca has it on when he's leaving the building. And then there are videos from what seems to be the basement of the building where there are trash bins. Um, and it features Luca emptying numerous bags and parcels into the trash. I'm pretty 
casually, I might add. He just, like, look around some, but he's just, like, putting trash in a bunch of times. The next day, the video One Lunatic, One Ice Pick shows up on tour as promised. And it features a grisly scene depicting a naked male tied to a bed frame, being repeatedly stabbed with an ice pick and kitchen knife, then dismembered, followed by acts of necrophilia. Um, he, like, uses body parts to service himself, which is, like, probably the worst thing I'm ever going to say. I didn't think the blender stuff could be topped, but it is. Um, the perpetrator uses a knife and fork to cut off some of the flesh and gets a dog to chew on the body. He's a puppy, which he also disposes of later. Uh, during the video, the 1987 New Order song True Faith plays in the background, and a poster for the 1942 film Casablanca is visible on the wall. Canadian authorities obtained a more extensive version of the video and said that cannibalism may have been performed. And this video blew up. There were immediately hundreds of reaction videos, probably thousands actually, some featuring, and this is my least favorite part, very young children watching this. So yeah. children as young as like nine years old were sitting and watching this and reacting to it. Um, and some people are seen on screen like having to repress, like they vomit, they get really sick, and some have to shut it off, and some look like they're going to pass out, and all were completely traumatized. Um, and I have like a few quotes from the reaction videos. Um, they just talk about um, naked, dude tied up on the bed, guys tied up, and then it gets violent and they say he's stabbing him with an ice pick all over his abdomen, a lot of what the fucks. They talk a lot about excessive stabbing in his face. And some people have this weird uneffective vibe when they start where they're like, I've seen a lot of videos like this. What? Why have you seen a lot of videos like this? Why is this an internet thing? This this is why I won't let my kids be on the internet. You can watch people be brutally murdered. Like, people are jaded by how many they have seen. That was absolutely the, the, the craziest thing to me. It blew my mind how many reaction videos started with people being like, well, I've seen a lot of things. I'm sorry, I'm not impressed. I feel like you're a terrible person because of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then there's a lot of comments about him being cut up into pieces um, and the sexual acts that he does. And I don't really need to disrespect his gentleman's memory with any more of that. Um, you know what's weird? Um, it's weird how many people are, are fine with the murdering part. But as soon as they see a penis, they lose their shit. They're like, oh, murdering. What the fuck? Why do I have to see a dick? I just don't get people. I know. Again, I've seen more way dicks than murder, way more dicks than murders, and I'm better for it. I feel like so. In somewhat, the, mm-hmm. to look on another side, I feel like the mur- just the stabbing things like that mm-hmm. could come off almost very fake looking. You know, if you've never I seen guess it, I, I mean, won't watch it, so I don't really no, know. I mean, I've I've haven't seen it, but I could. If people are willing to watch this and do a reaction video, to me, yeah. they're probably watching it and, like, it's not as nuts, but then there are certain elements that get drawn back where then it it makes them realize, like, this is real. This, yeah. This happened. I've this seen is- clips of some of the reaction videos. I will mm-hmm. not watch the actual video, but I've seen a couple of the reaction videos. And what's so... Um, disarming about them is that people do start out like jaded like that like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna watch this let's do this whatever and then about halfway through they are pale and just like oh fuck 
Because something in the video then reminds them that this is a real person. It's no longer yeah. it's no longer fake. Um and a lot of people comment on the facts and, and it's true that he was like very drowsy and like done like looked out of it to begin with it's because Luca had given him a lot of sleeping pills. Right. So he had taken drugs beforehand. Um and I believe that they say he was killed when he slit his throat, which happens pretty quickly. Yes. I never want to say that's a blessing, but it is in this case, because a lot of the injuries that occur and a lot of the horrible, like, defilement of his body mm-hmm. occur post-mortem, mm-hmm. which means, like, he was not aware of any of it. Right. Which is really the only... Oh, I'm getting nauseous. Just... I know. It's really it's really yeah. awful. Um so from here on out, there really isn't much to laugh at. So we're just going to go with a pretty straightforward recalling of events. Okay. On May 26th, an attorney from Montana attempted to report the video to Toronto police, his local sheriff, and the FBI. But the report was dismissed by officials. People just don't want to latch onto this. It just goes through the cracks so many times. A website called Best Gore. Cool. Cool site. Viewers also attempted to report the video. Police, So even people that, like, routinely viewed gory things, I suppose, did, like you said, at one point recognize that this was unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, people later confirmed it as authentic and identified the victim as an Asian male, the same one whose body parts were, wait for it, sent to Ottawa. Yes, you heard that right. In a completely unexplained twist, Luca had sent some of the body parts off to government agencies and schools. Mm-hmm. At 11 a.m. on May 29, 2012, a package containing a left foot was delivered to the national headquarters of the Conservative Party of Canada. The package was stained with blood and had a foul smell. It was marked with a red heart symbol. And there's, like, notes on these, too. Like, you can see these notes online. They aren't, they're not great. Uh, a janitor also discovered the decomposing torso inside a suitcase left in a garbage pile in the alley behind an apartment building in the Snowden area of Montreal. He first saw the suitcase on May 25th, which would be the day after the murder, but it was not picked up due to the large amount of garbage that day, so it was left to fester. There are a lot of pictures of the suitcase online. They're covered in flies. Can't see what's inside. You can just see that there's flies all over a suitcase. Yeah. Every time I see anything on the side of the road, I assume it's a body. So, like, I, do <laughs> I probably would have been a better person to look at that than this guy. Um... So the police came to the scene, and after searching it, they uh, recovered human remains, obviously, bloody clothes, papers identifying the suspect, as well as sharp and blunt objects from the back alley. They also found uh, the body of the puppy mm. in the garbage bag. Garbage bags contained his clothes, too. Like, everything was there. Everything. Footage from surveillance cameras inside the building, as I mentioned earlier, showed a suspect bringing numerous garbage bags outside, and the images, oh, I guess it was outside. You can't really tell from the from the footage where it is. It looks like a basement. Um, and they matched the suspect who was captured on video at a nearby post office. Police searched apartment 208 of the 5270 D-E with an accent, C-A-R-I-E, Decari Boulevard, you guys can correct me if you would like, which Luca was renting. He had moved in four months prior, and his rent was paid up until June 1st. The apartment had been mostly emptied before he left, and blood was found on different items, including the mattress, the refrigerator, the table, and the bathtub. But I believe in the documentary they say the mattress had been flipped. So they walk in, they don't see it, but you flip the mattress and it's just like a freaking horror scene. Um, And there are pictures of this crime scene. I am... We will kind of be choosy with what we post, but Mm -hmm. there are some things... And the apartment looks like no one lived in it. It's very weird. It doesn't look personalized in any way except for one, which we'll get to. 
Um, it just had this like cold, not lived in weird feel to it where I was like, it doesn't even seem like anybody made that their home. Well, no. I mean, why would it though? If he has, he has no actual personality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, he's literally a blank slate. Yeah. It's just, it's just eerie to see a reflection of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, blood was found on, I said, different items, including the mattress Also, there's a pool of it in the bottom of the refrigerator, leaving authorities to believe that he stored some of it for a period of time. I mean, maybe before he shipped it off to Ottawa. Um, The table and the bathtub. Quote, if you don't like the reflection, don't look in the mirror. I don't care. End quote. Was written in red ink on the inside of his closet. And I will post this image. It is haunting. Yeah. On May 30th, 2012, it was confirmed that the body parts belonged to Jun Lin. The suspect in the case was quickly identified, of course, as Luca Magnata, who by then had fled. A note was found with the package sent to the Conservative Party, saying six body parts had been distributed and the perpetrator would kill again. The other three packages also contained notes, but their contents were undisclosed by police, who cited their concerns about possible copycat crimes, which I get that. People see sensational stuff and they want to do it too. That's why he did the kind of shit he did. Um, on June 5th, 2012, a package containing a right foot was delivered to St. George's School and another package containing a right hand to False Creek Elementary School in Vancouver, British Columbia. It was confirmed that both packages were sent from Montreal. On June 13th, the four limbs and the torso were matched to Jun Lin using DNA samples from his family. On July 1st, his head was recovered at the edge of a small lake in Montreal's Angrignon Park, A-N-G-R-I-G-N-O-N, in case I pronounced that incorrectly, after police received an anonymous tip. So he was really scattered quite around. Uh, I read the autopsy report. Well, I actually, I'm sorry, I did not read the actual autopsy report because it's Canadian and not available to us. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did read recounts from people who heard it in court. And it took a very long time. To, uh, to put him back together and to identify cause of death and injuries and, like, all the things. It was – there was uh, 11 pieces in total that were brought to them, which is crazy. Um, an arrest warrant for Magnata was issued by the Service de Police de Ville de Montreal. It's a lot of French. Um, and later upgraded to a can- Canada-wide warrant by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. We got some Mounties now. Yes. That's my only silver lining. Um, And they accused him of the following crimes. One, first-degree murder, clearly. Two, committing an indignity to a dead body. Three, publishing obscene material. Four, mailing obscene, indecent, immoral, or scurrilous material. I did not read over that one. And five, criminally harassing Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper and several unnamed members of the parliament. Thank God we didn't touch Justin Trudeau. Thank you, Lord. I don't know if he was a thing then. He was probably too young. He's a little baby. God, he's an angel. We love you, Justin Trudeau. (laughs) You won't sue us because we love you. We love you. On May 31st, 2012, Interpol issued a red notice for Luca at the request of Canadian authorities. And for several days before and after his arrest, his name and photo were displayed prominently at the top of the homepage of the Interpol website. So that's like most wanted. The red notice requested that Magnata be provisionally arrested pending extradition back to Canada by any Interpol member state. So that's like every fucking buddy. Come on. If you see this guy, hold him. We're going to get him. He's the worst. Um... 
Magnata booked a ticket for a flight to Montreal from Montreal to Paris on May 25th using a passport with his own name. Dummy! A passenger later commented that he sat in the back of the plane, filthy and sweating and crying. He's doing great. After well, his, now he's himself. Oh, you're right. Oh, God. What a moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, good one. Um, good one, you, not him. Yeah. <laughs> After his arrival in France, his cell phone signal was traced to a hotel, but he had left by the time police arrived. Pornographic magazine and an air sickness bag were found in the hotel room. So cool. He was like, I'm going to use some porn and, and barf. Awesome. Magnata used a false passport with the name Kirk Trimmel. Trammel, sorry. He loves a fake name at the hotel. He had contacts in Paris from a previous visit in 2010, when, you know, he was like an escort traveling the world. And police were following a large framed man who had been in contact with Luca. Another man he stayed with for two nights did not realize who he was until he had left. Luca then boarded a Eurolines bus at the Banolay coach station bound for Berlin, Germany. Oh, this is my favorite part. On June 4th, 2012, Magnata was apprehended by Berlin police at an internet cafe um, while reading news stories about himself. Mm-hmm. That's pretty typical, I feel uh-huh. like. The owner, like, saw him come in. He was like, oh, fuck, I think that's a guy that I've seen everywhere. And he, like, creeped around behind him and saw that he was Googling himself. Yep. What a freaking narcissist of the highest degree. He tried giving fake names before admitting who he was. His identity was confirmed through fingerprint evidence. Magnata appeared in a Berlin court on June 5th, 2012, and according to German officials, he did not oppose his extradition. There's, like, a lot of pictures of him getting on that plane. Um, He just looks kind of sullen. There was sufficient evidence to keep him in custody until extradition, and he agreed to a simplified process. So he's not causing a problem. Obviously, there's, like, videos of him doing this. On June 18th, 2012, Luca was delivered to Canadian authorities in Berlin and flown aboard a Royal Canadian Air Force CC-150 Polaris to Mirabelle International Airport, north of Montreal. A military transport reported by the government to be necessary due to safety concerns with using a commercial flight and potential legal difficulties if the plane was diverted to another country. So he was, like, kept under serious lock and key. Mm-hmm. Because everyone knew who he was, and they were afraid if he got into any kind of pool of public people, they would just immediately kill him. Um, he was placed in a solitary confinement uh, in the local detention center. Reactions in China were highly critical, with some believing the murder was racially motivated. I don't think it was. Some Chinese questioned public safety in Canada, as the killing was the second high-profile murder of a Chinese student there in over a year, apparently. Um On June 4th, 2012, Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper said that he was pleased that the suspect was arrested and congratulated the police forces on their good work in apprehending him. Um, So good job. They got him. Two days later, Jenlin's family arrived at Trudeau Airport. So he was somebody something somewhere. I guess so. We love him. In Montreal. Uh, the Chinese Students and Scholars Association at Concordia University established a fund to defray expenses incurred by Jun's family while in Canada, and an award was created in his honor. A candlelight vigil was held in Montreal. Um, on July 16, 2013, Edmonton police charged bestgore.com owner Mark Man- Merrick, so yeah, fucking if you're going to post it, you should be charged too, mm-hmm. with corrupting public morals, a rarely used obscenity charge for hosting the uh, video online. And on January 25th, 2016, Merrick changed his plea to guilty and was 
sentenced to a six-month conditional sentence after a joint submission from the Crown and defense. So he did have to serve some time for hosting that video. And I think he should have. Right. Yeah, like minimum. You're not filtering anything? You just anything will make it on your site? Right. Cool. Uh, a preliminary, preliminary hearing began on March 11, 2013. The evidence presented as subject to a publication ban. Uh, Magnata's defense team requested the media and public be barred entirely from the hearing, and this was declined the next day. So good try, people. The public at large was enormous in this case. You can't just decline them. Um, Jenlin's father, um, you, as you said, traveled from China to the hearing. And on March 13th, one of Luca's lawyers resigned due to a possible conflict of interest. Expert witnesses testified, including a forensic pathologist, a forensic toxicologist, a forensic odontologist, so that's like everybody that could do anything, a bloodstain analyst, data recovery specialist, and an internet investigations officer. The prosecution also displayed video evidence. Both Magnata and Junlin physically collapsed at separate times. Oh, and Lin, not Junlin, sorry, obviously his family. Both Luca and, his, and Junlin's family collapsed at separate times during the proceedings. So really, the prosecution had a slam dunk. Yeah. What are you going to do? It's there. Everything's there. Yeah. On April 12th, 2013, Luca Magnata was indicted on charges of first-degree murder, offering indignities to a human body, distributing obscene materials, using the Postal Service to distribute obscene materials, and criminal harassment. Luca elected to be tried by judge and jury. He pleaded not guilty, dummy, admitting to the acts of which he was accused, but claiming diminished responsibility due to mental disorders. Now, here's what comes in. Um, when the schizophrenia business comes in. Um, and there are a lot of like complicated legal stuff where psychiatrists testified on both sides of the case here. They really presented a very tight case for him being super crazy. And then later he went on to say like, no, that wasn't right. I faked it. Um, on the opening day, the judge instructed jurors that Luca admits to the acts or conducts underlying the crime for which he is charged. Your task will be to determine whether he has committed the five offenses with the required state of mind for each offense. So this is like Richard Trenton Chase. He said he did it, but you have to decide whether he was sane when he did it or not. Um, six tools, a pair of scissors, two knives, a screwdriver, and an oscillating saw and hammer, because he used a fucking saw to cut him up, were recovered outside of Luca's apartment and analyzed by ballistics expert Gilbert Desjardins. I think I pronounced that one right. He said that um, they couldn't be definitively linked to the killing and no skeletal marks suggested the screwdriver or scissors were used because, he, you know, I said an ice pick. It wasn't actually an ice pick. Want to know why I used it? He was obsessed with the movie Fatal Attraction. Oh, I remember this. Mm -hmm. He had, like, posters in his room, and if you watch the police interview with him, he does all the Sharon Stone stuff. Yeah. Where he, like, says things like her and, like, poses like her. Mm -hmm. And he used a screwdriver that he painted to look like an ice pick to commit the murder because he yeah. was he was carrying out a scene in his mind. Everyone was going to watch it, so it should look good, like it did in Fatal Attraction. I hate him. I hate him a lot, too. Um, during the trial, his defense attorney argued that Luca was in a psychotic state at the time of the crimes and couldn't held, be held responsible for his action. The Crown prosecutor argued that the murder of Jenlin was organized and premeditated, which I can't argue with. There's the Craigslist ad. There's videos of it. it it's there's it. I don't know how you plan on arguing. Luca did not testify during his trial, which was probably for the best. After a 12 week trial, which included 10 weeks of hearing testimony, that's a fucking long time. Um, the jury received final instructions from the judge, and on December 15, 2014. Um, 
was sequestered before beginning its deliberations on the next day. On the eighth day of deliberations, they took eight days, which is a lot, more than I would have needed. They returned a verdict of guilty on all charges. Luca Bagnata will serve a mandatory life sentence and will be eligible for parole in 25 years. He was also sentenced to 19 years for other charges to be served concurrently. Um, Luca filed an appeal for convictions to be annulled and a new trial ordered, but the appeal was filed with Quebec Court of Appeal by Luca's defense attorney, citing judicial error in jury instruction, which is bananas, um, but later he withdrew his appeal on February 18th, 2015. So he just kind of agreed to serve his time. Now, the strangest P.S. to this story is that Lucas still insists that he committed all these acts under the influence of a man named Manny Lopez. Yes. I don't go into this heavy because to me it is so far-fetched and crazy. It is, and it's, again, very well documented in the series. Yeah, like so you can go into that. Yeah, I would, I would watch that for the linear... Yeah, like, he goes like, to the police at one point and reports that he's being, like, beaten up by this guy and mm-hmm. manipulated by this guy. And he has injuries, but they could have been self-imposed or they could have been a different fight. He could have been making up anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tells tells the court that, like, this guy Manny Lopez, and Manny is a name in, in Fatal Attraction. Yes. So, um, was, like, manipulating him and, and was, like, his puppet master and made him kill the kittens and made him kill John Lynn and made him do everything. And there are a lot of debates online about, like, a certain scene in one of the videos where there's a third hand. Yeah. It really just looks like it's probably John Lynn's hand, but... Okay. But, um, I don't... I, I think it's insulting to even debate it, to be frank. Um, but his mother has written an entire book devoted to this. Yeah, she she truly believes. Yes, she does. But here's the thing. I can't really place too much angry judgment on his mother's head because it's her son. And Mm -hmm. any of us would look for any possible way to place blame somewhere else. We would never, ever want to admit that that is your baby who did those things and did it of his own sound mind. Of course you would try to rationalize that somebody else did it. Of course. Um, So, yeah. And that's Luca Magnata. I know this was a long one, but it's a lot of information. Yeah. It's uh it's an interesting one though for sure. Mm-hmm. There's so many feelings, there's so much build up. Mm-hmm. And it's newer so you get to see it. I mean, we talk about serial killers and we hear about some of their past, but yeah. we actually get to almost with this one it's like we stopped him from becoming a serial killer. Yeah, absolutely but we, we did. Well, we did. Have they did. The history <laughs> of what makes a serial killer. Yeah. You know. That's what's interesting about this. Like, we're living in the time of... And we have such memories of, of his, uh, like, how when he was brought up. Like, we understand what it's like to be a person who lived under those conditions. I mean, we didn't live yeah. in Canada, but it's relatively mm-hmm. similar. He had a lot going against him. He did. Um, but, uh, yeah, this one, this one's tough, for sure. Uh, I just... I think he was such, such a narcissist. And mm-hmm. I do buy into the fact that he had borderline personality disorder. He wasn't as self-destructive as some people who have it. But, again, we don't know. Maybe he was. I don't know what he did in his off-camera time. Right. Um, He was just so desperate to be seen. Oh, and he said that a lot of times, that Mm -hmm. he just wanted people to love him. Yeah. I mean, that's I wouldn't have done that with a fake ice pick, but Mm -hmm. um, that's I mean, he is definitely one of those tales, like, of the early what – internet is, has done mm-hmm. to some of us. I mean, we there's so many 
smaller, scary things that's already happening to us. You know, I mean, as small as this, for instance, just when I got engaged, I was like, how many likes or loves am I going to get? Yeah, we all have that moment. You know, so just even the fact that I have to have that thought. Yeah is so small on my scale, and that to me is like a dangerous thought Mm -hmm. that somebody that has already surpassed what I think is dangerous, Mm -hmm. you know, it. it's just so crazy to me. But it makes sense that if somebody could be brought up into that culture and here's like a warning of... Absolutely. What needing the internet to love you. And that's a lot of the, um, the takeaway at the end of Don't Fuck With Cats. And I don't... I don't love that their through line is like maybe you're complicit in this crime just because you watched it unfold. Well, we didn't watch it unfold because we watched a documentary about it. I don't mm-hmm. think it makes you complicit in a crime if you're interested in the proceedings. But I do see that they're like, you know, the quotation I read in the beginning is actually, I don't know if I mentioned this or not. It's from a letter that Luca wrote to the woman who is referred to as body moving mm-hmm. in the documentary. It's the only thing not published in the documentary. He sent her that in an email, and it's the the only thing that set her back. And it was when the documentary was being filled after everything was done, he wrote it from prison. And the the main takeaway from that quotation was, like, be careful, because if you spend enough time looking at a monster, you might become a monster yourself. Oh, that's so creepy. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's something that, again, he clearly is taking everything from movies right. and TV shows. And he also like, did it. He spent a lot of time looking at monsters, and he was that impressionable. Right. I think it's all about your strength of character. Like, you and I can sit here and read a thousand cases, and, and we're not going out and doing anything awful in the world. No. But I suppose if you're someone who is just so very desperate— you're going to go a different direction. You're going to see like, oh, they got attention and I want attention and therefore two plus two equals four and I'm going to go out and do what they did. Right. It's just like, it's a lot to unpack and a lot to think about, Mm -hmm. I think, for all of us. The other thing that we didn't mention that was in the documentary, one of the things was um, like a false accusation from... Um, some people like thought they were tracing the right person, right? And they bullied him a lot. And it was, I don't even know who it was. Uh, I didn't know if you were going to bring him up. Mm -mm. So again, there's a, a, in the documentary, there was a, a man that ended up killing himself. He was a young man and he committed suicide. And it was because I think that there was the message from that mm-hmm. random person saying they think it's Luca Magnata. Which it was from Luca. He did that. He did that? Okay. Yes. So that had happened, but I think they were kind of falling short initially. Okay, yeah, because they had a hard time finding him. Mm-hmm. They really did. And they ended up down this road of this other guy. And oh, they were hurt. Shit, and right. it was a hard, I mean, there was 4,000 people. Yeah. That's a huge internet presence. That's this. a lot. And it was instant. It was just all really fast. And mm-hmm. this was all over several weeks. I, I forget how long it lasted. And But he he ended up killing himself. And that's oh when... Oh, uh, What's her name again? Bo- booty? Body moving. Body moving. That's when she backed off because she was like, what am I doing? Am she I was, part of this? Yeah, she was very conflicted in the end in a mm-hmm. lot of it. But then... But then she came back because they were like, where is she? We need her. Love her back. So like, we, we have it. It's, it is this Luca guy. We yeah. have, to go, we have mm-hmm. to go after him. So she came back. But she was very um, she was very yeah, hurt and very back. scared that, that it was her fault that that guy killed himself. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's all in the documentary. This case is, um, is pretty vast. 
mm-hmm. the amount of information that there is on it. Like the through line seems like it's a simple one plus one plus one story, but there are so many branches. And the documentary is like six hours long. Obviously, we're not going to cover this one's probably going to be two hours, which is fine. And it's it's a case mm-hmm. that everybody is kind of familiar with and wants to hear about. Don't worry, John. You don't have to edit us too much. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. We can do a long one. The past yeah. two have been kind of short. Um, but yeah, go, if you want to read more, there is more to read. Mm-hmm. Um, his mother did publish a book. If you would like to read her point of view, which I'm going to say is probably biased, but it's I mean, again, I don't blame it for being biased. I do not blame her for feeling the way she feels whatsoever. Because if it were me, if I were in her shoes, I mean, I wouldn't have done all the weird germaphobe things. But, like, I would not want to admit that my child was guilty of that ever. Never. I would want to find any little tiny thread of something else, and then I would cling on to that for dear life. So I, I get that impulse. Or if you did have to admit, how do you ever come back from that? You can't. Yeah. You just can't. I don't know what I would do. Right. So, yeah, keep that in your mind when you're thinking about his family and how his mom is, like, really tries to kind of spin it in a situation that doesn't involve him being as guilty as he is. But uh, Oh, also, like, another weird PS onto this one is he got married while he was in prison to another Canadian yes. criminal. Mm-hmm. That was recent, right? Yeah. It was, like, a year ago, too, 2018, I think yeah. it happened. Sorry, two years. Um, I don't have all the details on it because I frankly don't I don't think he deserves yeah <laughs> I don't even care I don't either he doesn't deserve to have that reported on him he doesn't even deserve to have that relationship he shouldn't have been allowed to get married he, right the, you know John Lynn doesn't get to yeah but he did using a dating website for other criminals in Canada because they are the most polite of all the people <sighs> yeah oh, so anyway. that is yeah I, I guess it's time to toast yeah, let's toast. Let's toast handsome Jun Lin. Yes. Beautiful, kind soul Jun Lin. Oh, yes. Every time I see pictures of him, it just breaks my heart. Yeah. I mean, like anyone who loses their life tragically is a heartbreak, but like just looking at his pictures, he looks so kind and, and mm-hmm. like full of life and fun and wonderful. I'm like, oh, God. It yep. just, just like robs a little bit of you to see it. And again, it's one of those things where it's hard for me as a female to, and just who I am. Mm-hmm. I, I've i never been on a dating app. I've never had to use me one. Me neither. So I've met John way before they started. So Yeah, I'm a thousand just, years old. I get yeah, it. I never had to use it. But if you need money, you know, if you're making your way through school, there's yeah. different ways to make money. And if you, if you're time frame is actually using those dating apps that's like a normal thing to do um or craigslist thing he was probably just looking for different ways to make some money to pay for his school no it didn't even pay he said it it was not paying it was just like a fun activity he was like oh i'm gonna go make a movie okay yeah so i mean either way though it's like he's he's in you know in his 30s man he probably felt no he probably had no threat to him no you know, I would have felt threatened, so I would have never done something like that. I, you know what? I want to say, man, I, I doubt. I want to say that I wouldn't, but you know what? Like, I'm an actor. If I had seen, like, hey, be in a movie, there's part of me that might have been like, oh, cool, okay. This yeah. is like something I can parlay into something else, possibly. Yeah. I, mean, I also don't know. I mean, we're in the US, and Craigslist was, 
I forget what year it started to become even more seedy. And I don't know if Canada really hit that yet. I don't know. And that could have been like very normal for people to go on there. Yeah. Because I would never do anything on Craigslist. I wouldn't either because I know a lot about the Craigslist killer who we will cover. Yeah. So anyway, but for him, it's like I, I, I kind of, I realize why he would have gone there. Yeah, absolutely. I don't fault him even a little bit. Mm-hmm. He found an ad that looked fun. He met, he texted him first and thought he was going to have like a fun, silly night in an apartment. And then a, night, a fucking nightmare happened. Yeah. You can't, I, there's this zero fault for him. Yeah. Zero. So to Jen Lin. To Jen Lin. For being adventurous. For being rad in general yeah. and like moving to a new country and I don't, I don't And trying to be himself, but also loving his parents. I literally just want to post pictures of him. <laughs> I just want to post like 10 pictures of him. Be like, just look at him. Don't look at fucking Luca Magnata's punchable face. He has a very punchable face. Yeah. Like, if there's a face you would want to punch, like, that's the face. <laughs> we also have to toast oh, your mother. My mom <laughs> is our patron this week. Mary and Bert, thank you for supporting us. <clears throat> and we are, uh, like I said earlier, way earlier, because this is a very long one, uh, we are at nine patrons. Give us one more and we'll go on a trip. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do something fun. One more, you guys. One more. Not plan something. Patrons and invitations only. Um, yes. Oh, and we are we're like we have some exciting things in the works. Yeah. For the next like few weeks coming up, um, we have a campfire stories in a couple weeks. Um, we're gonna do another like split tail story. I think next we've been talking about. We're gonna do a photo shoot. Mm. Which I'm so jazzed about. So keep your eyes open for like super fun promotional pics of me and Leslie in the next month or so. Yes. I'm like real, real, real jazzed about that. I'm so excited. Yay! Okay. Uh, yeah. You so that's sign all. Us off? I do, but I closed my computer. So hold on. And if we looked into the darkness for too long and the darkness offered us its hand, we would, we would be, be dead. dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Would Be Dead Pod. And join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. I can hear the music in my head afterwards.